This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. And all that jazz. Welcome to the artists. As Godard said, you don't make a movie, the movie makes you. In our movie-making profession, the workings of Murphy's Law is always at its best. In these candid conversations, we unravel those challenges that define the makers in the movie-making business. Hope these chats will inspire and elevate you to keep fighting for your dreams, but with a mode of reality check on it. I'm your host, Suchita, and this podcast is brought to you by Metaphysical Lab. Enjoy the show. Hello people, we are still under lockdown here in India and we have 9 more days to go, hopefully. And I hope wherever in the world you are, you are keeping yourself safe and sane. And in case you want to talk to someone, you want to talk to us about anything, uh, just uh, ping us on our WhatsApp number which is mentioned in the description. I'm not going to recommend any content to watch because... I know all of you guys are just watching content on your laptops and on your tablets and phones and you're glued to Netflix and you're glued to Mubi and you're glued to TikTok and YouTube. Uh, but I have been listening to uh, a lot of stuff uh, on Storytel and uh, I found this fantastic book uh, by Stephen Kotler called Stealing Fire. So if you get your hands on it, go for it and check out the book. All right, our guest for today is Anthony Chen. Anthony Chen is an award-winning film writer, director and producer from Singapore, but he lives in London. Anthony Chen's films have got screened at numerous prestigious film festivals such as Cannes, Berlin, Rotterdam, Busan, London, Toronto. His short film Arma, which is Grandma, was lauded at the 60th Cannes Film Festival. I just happened to watch his debut feature film Elo Elo which is screening on Mubi right now the film won camera door uh, camera door uh, in 2013 Cannes Film Festival and it won numerous awards uh, including the writing of it I personally love the writing of it and it was also submitted um, as the Singapore submission for best foreign language film at the 86th Academy Awards Hi Anthony, welcome to our podcast The Artists. Thanks for having me. I'm not going to talk about the corona and the lockdown the whole world is talking about that. Uh but luckily during this phase I happened to see your film uh, Ilu Ilu which is on Mubi right now and uh I was just blown by it. It's brilliant. And uh, I believe uh, Alfonso Cuarón also praised the film a lot. What did you do with it? It is it is a it is quite a personal film, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this is my first feature film um yes. and when I've made a lot of short films before and when you know I embark on wanting to do my first full-length movie um I was 
around my mid twenties. I think the 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 mid twenties is when um, you s- a lot of childhood memories start to start to come flowing back, you know, flooding into your head. And when I was growing up in Singapore in the nineties, you know, we had um, a Filipino helper, a Filipino maid who who lived in with us for about eight years. Um, mm-hmm. And um, my family isn't like the family in Iloilo where it's just a, a single child. I have actually two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you know, when I reflect on um, as an adult looking back at my childhood, um, you start to see a lot of other things that you didn't notice before. You know, the tension that was going on in the family, mm-hmm. the fall. You know, of the financial crisis, um, the the sort of sensitivity and 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 jealousy that's going on between you know um, your mom and 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 the maid and the helper. Um, a lot of things that you didn't notice as a child, you know, all started to make sense. And and you know, I thought about it in a day. I dream about it at night. And you know, I knew that I needed to make this film. So. It's very, very much, you know, um, inspired by childhood memories. Mm-hmm. And you also have, uh, you are also one of the producers on the film. That's right. So, yeah. was uh, Anthony, tell me, was that a conscious decision? And also, a second question to that is, how important is it for a director to produce their own work? Well, I think in a way, I was a bit like a reluctant producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Singapore is in, you know, um, in terms of its cinema, we have actually a very young history um, for many years, you know, like in uh, years, years ago, you know, in the 50s, 60s, you know, like there were a lot of, there were studios, Malay studios and Chinese studios that were based in Singapore, like the Shaw Brothers studios. Um, And uh, there were a lot of films that are being made, but then for a good part of over, uh, 20 over years, you know, all of a sudden the studios relocated um, and um, there was no film production. So film production really only started again um, in the 90s in Singapore. So we, you know, in terms of the modern history of Singapore cinema, we actually have a very short history. We don't make a lot of films. We make about um, 10 films in a year. Like last year in Singapore cinemas, only six feature films, you know, um, are released, you know, which is, yes. which is very, very small compared to the number of films that are released in India, for example. Yeah, of course. So in a way, you know, um, I was a bit of like a reluctant producer because, you know, I, I, I did film school in Singapore. I went to do film school. I did my master's in the UK. And when I came back, I felt like I couldn't quite get, um, the right people who actually understood my vision and understood what you know how I wanted to make this film and and I realized that I needed to do it on my own terms. I needed to you know um, find the right people, find the financing, um, work out how to build the right team, you know, so that I could make the film that I wanted to make. Um, it really started from there, and then of course. You know, when, you know, Ilo Ilo was completed, uh, you know, I, I had no idea that the film would have um, had uh, made this sort of, um, um, uh, created the sort of response that it had. And it had, 
you know quite a huge success you know critically and also commercially and and through that i learned even more you know about financing and distribution and marketing and after that i i decided that oh you know i should use you know a lot of these skills i had to you know um pick up along the way to help a lot of other um, contemporaries, a lot of other young um, Singapore filmmakers. Yeah, and specifically you being a director, when you are producing for other directors, uh, what is it some kind of challenge you face? Uh, do, you, do you also get into the creative side of things? Um, how, do you, how do you balance the act of producing for, other one, uh, for another director's? Yeah, that's the bit which I feel, um, you know, that's the reason why I, I almost feel maybe directors are not the best producers because <laughs> because because I'm a filmmaker myself, because yes. I'm a director. So I can, I feel like I'm very soft to the filmmakers <laughs> that I produce because, you know, I know yes. when I'm on set yeah. all the time and I know when they haven't got the shot I know that you know the scene could be much better I know that that actor can 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 you know like give a better performance and and they need more time but you know of course sort of like the pragmatic side of yourself knows that oh you know you're going over budget you're going um you're overrunning with time and it's, it's just such a bad idea but I would always stand on the side of the director instead of like looking at the finances and so so in a way like because i'm a filmmaker i i find that i i I tend to be quite a soft producer and i and i feel very strongly um about the director being able to get what he wants and achieve the vision that he needs um sometimes it really goes against um good financial prudence Uh, yes absolutely Anthony, tell me, how would you define uh, producing? Like, for example, in India, producing, so we, we produce more than a thousand films a year. We make more than a thousand films a year. It's a very different industry. It's divided in Bollywood, independent cinema. For here, for India, producing is somebody who has money. But when yeah. you talk about producing internationally, how would you define your role as a producer? Uh I mean, there. I think I wear a few hats. You know, there are projects that, you know, it's a small company that I have. We, you know, our finances are very humble. So there are projects where our company puts a little bit of money because I think it's very important that we put in some money because we want to take the risk as well. If we're going to ask other financiers to come on board, take the risk on a young filmmaker, it's a first feature film. I think it's very important that we do that as well. Mm -hmm. But um, on the other side, you know, we, we go to project markets, we go to uh, pitching forums, um, sort of international project markets to pitch projects, you know, work with other co-producers, you know, apply for grants, you know, um, look for international grants and financing for the films, as well as looking for both Singapore, you know, Singapore, it's, it's like I say, you know, the industry is very small, uh, Singapore and also overseas sort of um, financing to fund our projects. You know, it's um, a lot of it is, is comes down to that. But that's, of course, the money side of things. You know, I, I see myself as a creative producer as well because I spend a lot of time, actually a huge amount of time, you know, at our company is spend developing the project some projects are developed for two years actually most of them are developed for at least three to four years where 
I would spend hours, you know, like talking through like a treatment or going through a script, you know, we'll have like hours, hours, spend hours of time on Skype, you know, talking about um, scripts and what's working in terms of the character, what's not working in certain scenes and how, how do we get the final act right. Um, for me, it's very important to get the script right at the script phase because when you're making an independent film you haven't got time on set to figure it out because like every minute is so precious so i spend a lot of time in development um, trying to make sure that we get the script as tight as lean and as precise as possible would you recommend how is how important is it for a director to produce their own films do you think it's important I don't think, you know, I wish I didn't need to produce my own films. Mm. At the same time, because I'm a producer on a lot of the films that my company produces. So, um, you know, I have a very hands-on approach. I have a, uh, a real understanding of how much money we are using to make this film and how the budget is safe. And a lot of times, you know, I'm, ver- I'm very much involved in the whole process of you know like can we shoot this in one day instead of two days and can we <laughs> you know in Malaysia instead of Singapore you know how can we actually reduce the budget by by you know doing this you know like um, uh, you know in this location instead of doing that you know like in a way because you are very involved in how the money is spent you sort of uh, can try and squeeze every penny out, out of that budget um, I think for independent films, that's a good thing, but I I almost feel that it takes a certain, as much as it takes a certain personality to be a director, it also takes a certain personality to be a producer. You know, some yes. people are just not so interested in numbers crunching. Some people are just not as sensitive to you know like oh for for a page of uh, a script of this length or 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 for a script you know of a a certain genre like you have to make it for how much money and you need how many days to shoot it some people are just not as as sharp with with all that and and of course when when if you're that sort of a filmmaker what you need is a good producer to have your back you know I, i happen to be sort of a bit of an odd boy you know I've been producing my short films you know for some time and then um, I started becoming interested in um, in the business side of things and I would be reading the trades I'll be reading like even as when I was a film student I'll be reading Variety I'll be reading Screen International I'll be reading The Hollywood Reporter I'll be reading about like how deals are made and what's what's announced you know I'm trying to figure out how things work um, but if one doesn't have the intrinsic um, um, interest in finding out about all that or or even having to deal with all that, you know, in, including contracts and money and budgets, then, yeah, actually, it's, it's so much cleaner and so much easier just to be creative and, and thinking about your actors and thinking about your story and thinking about um, how you want to fulfill your vision. So you would not recommend a director being a producer of their own work or a producer I, of other people? I, I wouldn't it, recommend it. Can, it. it can complicate things. Yeah, it would complicate things. But at the same time, I've learned as well that because when one produces your own work, 
you know, you have so much more control over that piece of work yes. instead of like producers telling you, yeah. oh, you can't do this or you need to cast that big famous actress because the market likes the, the actress or, or that's the only way, you know, we would have box office. Like, you wouldn't be dictated by sort of like business decisions just uh, uh, from a very, very commercial uh, viewpoint. You know, you sort of are, you know, because if you're both a producer and director, you, you know, you sort of are weighing things, you know, in in a more balanced fashion as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Your brilliant piece of work, Ilu Ilu. Uh, I want to sort of demarcate this in different uh, stages, like your writing stage, your directing stage, producing stage. Uh, and also uh, after that, when you got into producing other people's work. So, you know, when you actually started, it's so well woven the entire script, uh, how did you start writing it? What was your process? Uh, did you create the characters? You already had your characters in your mind. How did you start sort of developing the plot? Um, in terms of the script, you know, like uh, as much as, you know, I've, I've won, you know, awards for screenwriting for yes. Ilo Ilo and also my my um, follow-up film, my second film. But, you know, I still find it like incredibly tough. You know, anyone that tells you that screenwriting is easy, mm. you know, I wouldn't believe that person mm. because, you know, even though I feel like I know something about screenwriting, but every time I, I take on another project or I start developing a new project, I find it incredibly tough. For me, it's about um, spending the time on it because uh, my first film, Ilo Ilo, for example, it took me two years to write. And for me, um, I... I, I have to go on a journey with my characters. So so I might know what happens at the start. I know what happens at the end. So, for example, I know that I know that in this film, there are four characters. There, there, there's the mother, there's a father, there's a kid, and then there's a, a maid that comes um, into this family. And I know, okay, that's the start of the film. And I know where the film needs to end, which is she needs to go, you know, she needs to leave at the end. But I have no idea what that trajectory is, what that journey is. And I go on that journey for two years, finding out and sort of like living the lives of these characters, you know, really understanding like, you know, like their social class, you know, every detail about their life, what their job is, where did they come from, what are their hopes, what are their dreams, you know, like what are their fears and what is it that makes them human? I think that's that's what I do, which is why... Um, when I write a certain line, you know, I I can't write any line that I personally can't perform myself. You know, I'm not saying like you know physically acted out myself, but but emotionally deep in my heart, I need to be able to feel that emotional beats of every line of dialogue that I write, and and I need to understand like what what that character is actually thinking, you know, like in that scene and what, what's the motivation for this person. So in a way, it's, it's spending a lot of time really understanding the whole um, background and detail of um, the class of these people, um, the work environments of these people, the, the nuances and the connections and all the so- small little details of their interaction and... Um, and for me, it's it's really about that. You know, I it's not. I don't think there is that is sort of like um, a quick um, way around it. At least for me, you know, I think there might be 
you know genius screenwriters out there that could sort of like just figure it out right away but for me it's it's a very um, live-in way of writing you know I, I need to live with these characters you know sort of bubbling in my head uh, you know for a long time until finally I figure it out you know in a way I there are certain visuals that would come into my head and then for me it's about how do I join those dots such that the visuals um, or those metaphors or those ideas, you know, be- have some form of structure or have some form of poetry. So, for example, like you know, there's a, there are chickens in in the film. You know, it, it you know when mm-hmm. I was very young, we had you know my 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 dad brought back some little chicks, you know, and and I had them and I rear them in my balcony for for for. You know, like an entire year, and then eventually my mate slaughtered them and cooked them. Oh my god! Yeah, so, you know that really came from my life, and then it was all about, um, you know, the same thing as when I was during the nineties. I had uh, what you call a digital chicken, you know, a tamakochi, because everyone was playing with it, you know, like in the nineties. So it's about how do you connect this idea, and then when I thought about. Um, oh, during birthdays, oh, I love KFC as a kid. And we always order Ken- Kentucky Fried Chicken, mm. you know, like during birthday parties or celebrations. So when you start connecting all these dots, you know, and you start to find sort of comedy and humor and pathos and you start to find the poetry in daily life in the same mm. way what I do with, you know, the idea of hand the film where you know you have a kid who who starts by by commenting that oh your hair is smelly and but i've always felt like you know like the smell of someone is always a very intimate thing you know like we when we are really young like we we would be very sensitive to the smell of our father's feet you know like even though they might be very very smelly but the moment he comes home from work like we would know that he's home because he comes in with that smell you know whether is it the sweat of his shirt or the smell of his socks so in a way like i've always thought smell is a very sort of like personal and intimate thing so i started writing the idea you know and so it's the smell of the hair so where am i going to take this idea oh he she's going to moonlight as a hairdresser you know at the end of the film she he needs to cut her hair you know like so it's about how do you you know, find something which feels personal, that feels emotional, that feels real, that feels that it comes from life or it comes from a living experience. But do you, how do you sort of plot it so that, you know, like poetry comes out of it, structure comes out of it, you know, a mm. story comes out of it. Lovely. And would you say that your writing uh, is uh, more instinctive or is it also uh, calculated? Um, I think it's a mix of both. You know, mm. I, I like to think, you know, I'm very, um, for me, it's a lot, um, I, I'm very focused on precision and clarity in my screenwriting. So, mm-hmm. so even on set, I wouldn't allow my actors to change any single line on my script. You know, like every beat is very precise on my script. But, but that being said, what I try and do is to, at the same time, you know, bring in a real sense 
of realism and naturalism and life into both my writing and my world. So in a way, like I want things to be very structured and precise, but at the same time, what I do is to try and cover my footprints and cover sort of like my my handprints so that you don't see, you know, like what you were saying, like it feels like the script is very well woven, that is very well thought out. But at the same time, what I do when I'm filming it and what I do, you know, like by, by using sort of like the, the, the detail of life, it's to sort of, sort of, um, cover it, you know, in, in a sense of, um, realism that you don't see that all that is, is thought out or all that is calculated or all that, you know, it's, it's, it's being, um, set up and paid off, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. And did the, did the director ever come in between while you were writing the script? Did you think about, okay, this is, this is how it's going to be like set up? Um, I, of course, I think because I'm a writer-director, you yeah. know, like, I, I think most writers and directors, you actually write with a real sense of visuals, you know, you have a real, you write with a real sense of how the pace works in the scene, how uh, the mise-en-scene works in the scene. I might not have it completely clear, mm-hmm. you know, I know it exactly like 100% where the camera should be, but I will have a real sense of how that house looks like, you know, how, you know, like what the blocking feels like, you know, where, how do they move from room to room, you know, like uh, the glances and the nuances and uh, the gestures, like I would have a very strong sense of it. So it's not like, um, I I feel like I'm a, I'm quite a visual writer. So it's quite different from writing a novel. I don't even think I'm, I'm capable of writing a novel because I think what I write um, are visual um, scenes really have you thought of how different the process would be if you were not the writer on the script I mean the process is definitely different because mm. um, I live in the UK and I'm developing a few projects here in London where um, I'm not the screenwriter you know I, I've been working with sort of uh, British screenwriters on a few projects some are, um, some are adaptations of novels and um, even though it's very collaborative, but I'm not the one physically writing. So, you know, um, the way they their process would be very different as well. And um, and of course, I, I feel like with with writer writers instead of writer directors, like they write so much faster than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Almost feels like they figure things out so much quicker. But at the same time, um, sometimes. I think the the difference that I see, at least in approach, is sometimes they tend to be um, not all of them, but but sometimes they they tend to be very dialogue driven. When for me, it's about using visuals to paint the emotions, but but um, sometimes it's um, uh, for certain writers, it's more exposition and dialogue. So. Um, um, to sort of like drive the narrative instead of um, the subtext and uh, the metaphors and the visuals. And I think as a director, that's what, that's how I come in and collaborate and bring in uh, my poetry to the page, to the table. And when you are directing the film that you have written, 
is there a sort of a calculation or uh, a sort of a understanding within your own mindset that okay this is how how many notches it needs to go up while you're executing it um not that how many notches it needs mm-hmm. to go up mm-hmm. i think i have a very very clear because i spent so long writing my scripts my first mm. took two years to write my second film took three years to write such that even when i go on set i literally tell my actors i tell my crew like don't 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 any of you there tell me <laughs> know these characters better than i do because i've lived with them for three years and you yeah. and you've only been working with them you know like you've been here only for a few months <laughs> so so in my head i have a real 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 sense of how it should feel and how they should move and how you know like whether it's the expressions or the performance or the blocking or or the the feeling i have towards a person the feeling i have towards a space a house how is how is the house being dressed and and the social backdrop of 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 you know this world and i've a very, very strong sense of what that film is i might not know it completely but i would have at least a 70 to 80% strong gut feeling about what things should be so um it's usually quite clear but i think it's very important to always go on set with set you know like knowing 70% and having that 30% for um keeping that 30% open so that you'll be surprised because sometimes you'll be surprised by what actors would give you sometimes you'll be surprised by what this location gives you or or you know there might be a day where it's incredibly sunny and it's raining on 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 the page in that scene and yet you know that scene might actually work in a much more um subversive way or original way in the sunshine compared to in the rain so so I'll I that's why I think you know like it's very important to to be very precise and clear about what you want and to go in with with 70% of you you know like ready and raring to go and really knowing what you want and then of course you have to leave 30% for some form of divine invention for some form <laughs> magic to happen on set mm. and any any conscious elements that you weave uh, in your film while you're directing it any cautious elements conscious uh, yeah i i think what i i um i am very hard on myself and i'm very mm. hard on the crew and my actors you know mm. um, i think it has to do with my horoscope as well because i'm degrees <laughs> and you know so you know like i said you know i was i'm quite your perfectionist i'm quite the perfectionist so um i would never give up and i would never let go until i get the take that i want so you know um sometimes you know i've i've a very close working relationship with my assistant director and she would tell me like oh we are overrunning we really need to move on to the next scene like you know it's pretty good really you know that's about 60 70 you know like out of 100 and i go like yeah but it's but i'm not going to leave this scene i'm not going to move on to the next shot until i get at least a 90 i don't believe in creating a perfect shot i don't believe in creating a perfect scene so i don't believe in 100 but but at least you know, I wouldn't let go until I've gotten at least you know like 90 out of 100 of what I want to get at. Um that at least that is how I work which which can be quite challenging I think for everyone that works with me on set. So tell me Anthony why do you want to make films? 
I guess because I've got something to say. I think mm. um, a lot of times, you know, I wish I wish I didn't want to make films because <laughs> I wish I, I I wasn't a filmmaker. I find it incredibly painful. You know, yes. like. I, I just don't understand why, you know, sometimes when I read interviews and people can say like, oh, it's the best job in the world, you know, like, you know, what fun it is to be on set. And I go like, yeah, but for me, you know, writing it's so painful because um, a lot of times you have to go through all the emotions, whether is it, you know, there, of course there would be. Uh, the sweet moments and the happy moments but you have to go through the pain and the struggles and the sadness that these characters go through and then on set you know you have to go through the pain of of not getting what you want and or trying to trying to get across you know like sometimes sometimes it's so you know like you're so near to getting what you want and ah you know like the camera you know like someone else comes into the frame and spoils the frame or or the 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 the, the camera misses its movement and the, the the actor meets the mark and then all of a sudden ah you have to do it again um i find it incredibly painful the process of filmmaking i wish you know, it's like an addiction. You know, I I almost wish I wasn't addicted to to film. You know, I was I almost wish like I didn't have so much in the system that I needed to sort of get out of through through making work. You know, a lot of a lot of youngsters jump into making films, especially in Mumbai. Uh, Mumbai yeah. is like a hub. You know, every table is making a film. So I constantly ask this on my podcast because that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was. Why would you advise another person? Uh, what should they see in themselves to decide that okay, this is the profession they should go through, uh, uh, go into, without uh, you know knowing that what kind of pain they're going to go through it. I think what is very important is that I don't. I think a lot of people are attracted um, by the film business because. What you see, I think, um, in the distance or on the papers, you you sort of think about the, about um, you know lights, camera, action. You sort of think about the fame and the red carpets and you know like um, all of of those sort of um, being in the spotlight and in the limelight. But actually, um, the work itself it's 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 really difficult and it's very trying and it's really challenging. So I guess my advice to all young filmmakers or budding filmmakers or young people that, that are thinking about going to film, I think one needs to ask yourself, like, you know, are you, you know, wanting to be a filmmaker because you really love cinema and, you know, like, um, you want to be a filmmaker uh, or you want to be a film director or you're actually in love with the idea of being a film director because if it's if it's fame and glory that you're after i'm not sure one would last in this industry because it's far too painful and it's far too difficult absolutely anthony what do you think about filmmaking post covid-19 do you see any changes that's going to happen well, I think um, it's unprecedented times. You know, yeah. it's just one country that's suffering. It's like the world, the entire world, every single country in the world um, is suffering from this COVID-19 pandemic. You know, um, biggest concerns and fears. Mm-hmm. 
because I am quite a purist, you know, as much as we've got streaming platforms and Netflix and all that, like, for example, movie and our homes. But um, I, I still am a huge believer of going into the cinema, watching films on a big screen, you know, having that shared experience in this dark room where everyone feels that same emotion and connects because of that shared experience. Um I'm worried that after all these lockdowns where people have been in their homes for two and two, three months, they're so used to watching films, you know, on their devices, on television, on their smartphones, on their iPads, that that they changed their social habits forever, that they stopped going to the cinema, that um, I, I would really lament um uh, um, the fact that you know cinemas are, are going to be changed forever if um, because you know, the entire global population has changed its um, its social habits. So guys, go and watch Elo Elo, which is playing on Mobi right now. It's there for the next couple of days. I think perhaps uh, more. You can also watch Bakura, which is another fantastic film, uh, which is again going to be there for the next few days. And uh, besides that, tell us what you think about the films. Of course, you know where to find us directly on WhatsApp, the number given in the description. And you can also connect to us on our Twitter handle, Metaphysical Lab. And brace up for the next guest coming soon. This is Suchita and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.